Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast today. I've got a lovely lady for you. You've 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 met her before um, with her with her mum Anne. Uh, today we're doing a, a solo episode. Um, great, great to have on the show, Amanda. Sorry for my technical mistake. Switching no. the computer off, switching the wrong bug off it. So thank you for your patience. Not a problem. Thank you for having me back. I really enjoyed having um, conversation with you and my mom the last time we were together, and I look forward to chatting again. Yeah, brilliant. So um, today's episode is a little bit different. Um, we're going to be looking at um, the issue of, uh, of of bullying, and we're going to be looking at it. So this is uh, fairly and squarely for you, adoptive parents lis- listening, who were uh, perhaps worried about your kids um, being uh, being bullied, being cyberbullied, and the uh, the impact that may have on them in terms of their uh, self esteem. So uh, I think as a lot of us adoptees who are perhaps a little bit more sensitive, I'm talking for myself here. Um, uh, Amanda's uh, an adoptee; she's also a, a birth mother. She's an, an educator as well. So you teach. Middle school, if I remember fifth, right. Fifth grade. Fifth, fifth grade. graders. Yep, fifth 10 fifth and 11 year olds. Yeah. Um, it's always um, an adventure. I it's always that. an adventure. Yeah. So um, could you translate that to me in, in age um, for, for an English an English guy? Because our system's slightly different here. So these right. 10? So ours, they're 10 and 11 year old kids. Um, and in some certain, certain states, fifth grade is middle school. In my state or in my area, it's still elementary. So our um, elementary goes till the sixth grade. So until kids are 12 in this area, but yeah. it just depends on the district. But my kids, my students are 10 and 11. Right, so. okay, yeah. So here in the UK, um, kids go to uh, at what you call elementary, we call primary, and they they leave uh, elementary at, uh, they leave primary at, at 11 and they go to, secondary school or okay. high school big school after that so yeah um so something that we uh, this this is clearly you know when we were talking about this issue you're, you're kind of like your ears pricked up around bullying why why was that Amanda? um I think being uh, like you said an educator but also a parent myself I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old um I think my tendency is to be a little bit on high alert to make sure that all of my kids, both my students who I call my kids and then my own children are feeling safe where they are. And that I unfortunately and fortunately get to sort of have that bird's eye view of bullying happening, whether it's a very subtle type of bullying or a very overt type of bullying in the school where um, I work. And I've been working really hard to incorporate character building and um, lessons on integrity and doing the right thing because it's what is right and not easy. Um, And I think one of the things I've learned over my time as an educator, which is now 14 years, I came to the profession a little bit later, is that we all know what to say. Even adults, we know what to say and what we need to do. Um, But when we're in that moment, it's not always what comes naturally. And I think I'm really working hard to instill that school is not just a place to learn our academics, but it's also how to be a good person and interact with people and live your life to the fullest while also spreading kindness and not choosing to go down paths that 
um, maybe the easiest path in the moment, but aren't showing your best character. Yeah. Um, and I think as an adoptee, I felt very, um, very often different, but not because it was noted in my family as being a difference. I think we always celebrated being adopted in my family, but it's very easy for kids to make people who are adopted feel other without realizing it. So little comments um, that I remember from grade school, and maybe you've had similar situations where um, if somebody was acting out of character or different from the rest of the class, sometimes the comment was, well, you must be adopted. Or um, that that was kind of used as a, a slam against people. Or, well, you're probably adopted in your family since you're the only one who does this. And I think things like that always stuck with me because I was adopted. And kids saying that don't realize the ramifications of their words and how somebody who maybe already feels vulnerable or um, struggle with their worth because they don't know their adoption story possibly um, that just resonates even harder, you know, and that feeling of maybe I really am worthless, even though that's never been demonstrated in my home. I mean, my family is amazing and you've met my mom, you know, that mm. they're, they're just incredible people, but it doesn't change how you feel knowing that someone held you or carried you and placed you until you know better the story that you come from or understand as more of an adult why situations like that occur. As a little kid, you don't understand why someone might have to place a child. Um, I sure didn't myself until I was put into a situation where it was the safest option for my birth daughter, who's now 23. Um, but you know, still something that I didn't really realize what goes into being a birth parent. And that, um, that's another situation in which bullying can occur too. You know, I think it's in all facets of life, there are instances of bullying, but I think being an adoptee can make it a little more raw, I guess. Um, and on the flip side, as an educator early in my career, I noticed this trend, which I've, I've not seen it as much, um, but when we would have meetings about students who are struggling, whether it was behaviorally or academically, one of the first questions that people would ask is, oh, are they adopted? And I finally at a point got to a, a level of comfort in my, you know, not being a new teacher anymore to say, why is that your first question? And somebody said, well, you know, kids who are adopted tend to struggle more. And I said, well, that's very assumptive because I'm adopted. And then, and then you could see this sort of panic of, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I said, but it, it's okay, but we have to actually look at why you're choosing to use that verbiage and why that's your first go-to. Because it, it makes the assumption that all kids who are adopted are not in a stable situation or are gonna have reactive attachment disorder or are going to have these behavioral issues, which, has nothing to do with being adopted at times. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of children who are in families that are biologically part of that family who struggle with those same mental health situations or struggle with academic problems. And I think that has sort of gone away, at least from, from what I see. Um, and I think it helped at the time that my new administrator was also adopted and he kind of put the kibosh on it, which I appreciated and said, you know, you guys, that's really unfair. That's really unfair to say 
that that's what you think may be at the root of all of these problems because it insinuates that being adopted is problematic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, so I don't know if that's what's made me more sensitive to it over the years. Um, I know, I think just naturally children struggle with self-esteem to some degree because um, it's not inherent and you sometimes expect the outside world to help build that up, but it doesn't always come to fruition. You know, I mean, I feel like I try to support my own children and they have their own insecurities too. It's just part of being in life and recognizing how we build our own insecurities in a positive way and use them possibly. Um, but I think with those insecurities, I was always maybe a little more vulnerable to what people said. And so for me, um, things that I, I have told my own students this, just sharing the power of words that there were things that kids said to me when I was in now sixth grade or fifth grade 30 years ago that still stick with me and still, I mean, sort of ended up navigating my path a little bit, you know, comments about um, the way my body looked. And that was something that stuck with me and to a level that probably it shouldn't have, but it did because I think combined with comments that, you know, kids are making when you're 10 and 11 and 12 about your changing body um, already is hard, but then you compound it with that feeling of like, well, now they think I'm worthless. And so that was something that I struggled with growing up um, again, at no fault of a family, but just my internal workings. Yeah. I don't know if you've had anything. I've talked a lot here. I don't know if you've yeah. had anything like that, Simon, where um, being adopted made you a little more vulnerable to those sorts of instances um well i i wouldn't I, I wouldn't know because i'm not inside anybody else's head true or heart um i think for me it's um having done a lot of work in in, in primary schools over here and 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 you know uh, in in a couple of months i'm coming over to to the states to do some work in in South Carolina in um, some elementary schools and some um, a children's home, uh, and um, what you, you, uh, bullies or people who are bullying others, you know, if we if we if if we label them as bullies, then are we othering them as well? Are we, you know, like some people might be concerned about uh, about that, right? So. Um, that's 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 pretty quite soft of me to say that. That's quite liberal of me to say it. I would normally say bullies. I would just normally go for it. You know, like, but they they make it about us. They 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 bullying comments or, or statements are about often about what makes us different. Mm -hmm. So you know, you've related to uh, two things um, about uh, body body shape. And about being adopted, right? I I got bullied for being different um, at uh, in, in, in well to do with my body, but in specifically my, my teeth. So my teeth stuck out, right? So I got called names for having ratty boy and rodent boy and different things um, uh, for having teeth that stuck out. I I got I got bullied uh, for um, living in a more affluent part of town 
you know, and, and going to a different school. I got I got I got bullied on 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 uh, scout camp for not being a very good scout. You know the 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 bullies will pick on what makes other people different. So you know, like people get bullied for having red hair or glasses. Like I'm wearing glasses now doing this podcast, but you know I've only read wore glasses for the last ten years. But kids get bullied for being, you know, having specky four eyes and, and, and uh, they get, they get this name calling and, and then you get, you can often get into that whole rigmarole is where is the line, you know, what's bullying or what's name calling and, you know, it don't. So I think the essential thing for me is that bullies make it about us when it's about them, that they're playing out there. Um, own insecurities, making themselves feel uh, feel bigger at our expense, in mm-hmm. in, in, in a massive overgeneralization. And what what I found that, and what I found that is, if we can, if 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 the kids that we're talking to can see that for themselves, that it's about a problem it's the it's the bully's problem not theirs mm-hmm. then that takes a whole load of weight off their shoulders that's that that's kind of the key the key thing here um for for me and then the next question that often always comes into into any conversation like this about you know strategies or you know parenting is um from us well how do you do that and there isn't a silver bullet for 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 for, for that one um, because kids learn stuff in 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 different ways. But maybe you can take a well. First off, do you kind of do you, is that is that significant? Have I does this seem kind of like on point for you? Yeah, of- yeah I think and I think one of the things <clears throat> conversationally, excuse me, that we've had as. A, with students and now as my kids are getting older with my own children is that we really, we first of all, can't throw around the word bully. You need to really make sure you're being careful. Um, even this Christmas, we were with our our families and one of our um, nieces, who's quite a bit older than my kids, was playing with them and just joking around. And um, my daughter kept asking her to, to um, write something down on this game that they were playing. And she said, she keeps bullying me, Aunt Amanda. She keeps telling me that I have to write something down. And I said, okay, let's be careful how we're using that word because I also don't want that to become common language for my kids that anytime somebody's asking you to do something or doing something you don't like, that now they're a bully. Um, and I think it is important to do that reflective piece of why is somebody saying what they're saying? You know, so if if one of my students is encountering a situation where they feel bullied, um, we always sit down and have a conversation. So talk to me about what's going on. How are you feeling? What's happening? Give me kind of the lowdown of what's going on. And then part of what I'll do with them is to say, so what do you think that other person is thinking? Like, why do you think they've chosen to say these things? Um, And if their answer is just, well, they're being mean, we'll try to investigate a little bit further. So what is it something that maybe they're uncomfortable with the fact that you're able to do something that they can't? Is it that they are maybe jealous of 
you know, an opportunity you have that they don't have or uh, that they're uncomfortable in some ways. So to try and do that reflective piece of why might somebody be acting the way they are instead of assuming that they're just doing it to be mean, because I don't think anybody truly at the heart of them is a mean, horrible person. I think that experiences shape what you're capable of doing. And obviously some of your family, you know, the family that you've grown up in and how they handle problems or situations will somewhat leach onto you. Um, But I think same with adults. I mean, we live in a society where we tell kids not to bully, but then you look at social media and it's thriving with situations where people are just not able to hold back from saying something nasty just for the sake of saying it. And I know we've heard of, you know, keyboard warriors or whatever the phrase is that it's much easier to kind of be nasty behind a computer screen. Um, But I think sometimes it's just that moment of stopping and thinking like, is it necessary for me to say what I'm saying? What do I gain from saying this to, to a complete stranger about something? You know, is it, that I get validated because I think I'm being funny or whatever the case may be. I think that reflection piece is very important of looking at why am I putting myself into this position of thinking I'm better or smarter or whatever the case may be and trying to determine if it's that necessary piece to add in. I think there's a, an, um, I'm struggling for the word today. Um, an acronym, the, the word think, and, and it's laying that out. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And if it's none of those things, then use that moment to think about why you need to say it. And I think that's something that adults and kids need to take a little more time to do. And I, you know, we talk about in class, we just finished reading the book Wonder, um, which is obviously a lovely book. We talked a little, you and I, about how how many beautiful themes are in that story. Um, and when we had these wonderful conversations, these 10 and 11-year-olds coming up with some just great insights about why kids are doing what they're doing in that story um, around this you know, student who has this facial deformity, but is just such a lovable character too, you know, that they knew what to say. They knew the right things to say. And then we talked about, well, so when we know the right thing to do, we're looking at this book and we're so frustrated with these characters that are treating him poorly. How, why is it so hard for us to do that in our own lives to stop and say, that's okay that they're different. Our differences are what make us us and to celebrate it. And, um, Sometimes we need to stop and look and see, are we the character like Julian who is uncomfortable with the situation at hand and don't know how to handle it without going to a place of making that other person belittled or whatever the case may be. And um, it got very quiet in my classroom and we all kind of just sat for a minute. And then we did a little journaling activity of, around, you know, have we ever been a Julian? Have we been a situa- in a situation where we put others down knowingly over something they can't control because it was just easier. And um, I think that there's a lot of power in asking kids to do that work because I think sometimes we assume they can't do that sort of reflective work of recognizing where maybe they have been human. And we talked about that's very human 
it's normal. If you see somebody who looks different from you, it's okay to stop and take a minute and go, oh, they look a little bit different. I said, but then it's what you do next. It's okay to recognize the differences because that's human nature. Yeah. But it's choosing what, what happens next. And you write your own, you know, you write the dialogue in your head of how you're going to behave. Um, because I do also don't want kids to feel bad when they have a reaction to something different. Because, I mean, it is human to have, take note of something that's different than you. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to stop that either, that that it's, it's no, there is a normal re reaction to things in life. Um, but it takes concerted effort to decide, is your reaction going to allow you to learn from this situation and be open and accepting and um, try to meet new people? Or is it going to stop you and hinder any sort of progress or growth in you? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to sum up the first part of what you just said I think in um, in one in one sentence in case that because um, uh, it was something that came to, to my mind in terms of um, simplifying it down and I love your I love your think um, um, what do they call that uh, acronym, acronym yeah. <laughs> I haven't, my brain's not pumping yeah, yeah. We're, we're recording this between Christmas and, and New yeah. Year uh, listeners so yeah I haven't been uh, I haven't been working for the last week or so. So, yeah, I'm I'm a bit rusty too. Um, the uh, but yeah, the uh, the acronym um, is is beautiful, and I, I I think for me it's it's what what what's the what's the emotion, what's the emotion behind the behaviour, mm -hmm. what what what's the feeling that's driving the doing, yes, and and, and that that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate uh, question. Well, it's not the ultimate question. It's the first question, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and then we'll, uh, and then what's, um, and it's hard. That self, that, that self perception piece, that self awareness piece is, is kind of the key. And it's very hard to see. This, this is one of my favorite. Um, statements from one of my favorite uh, mentors he says uh, I call, um Christian Simpson he says it's hard to see the picture when we're in the frame mm -hmm. and and although it's hard that's where the juice is that's that that's where the change change happens where we see stuff for ourselves about ourselves um, and we look at okay, so what what feeling, what yeah, what feeling was driving what I did in in that in that situation? So um, one of the things that I've heard from a, 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 another great mentor of mine is that there's some there's some gender differences there. So um, she she sums this up in a, like a couple of, a couple of words, um, women cry and, 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 and men fight. You know, we go like, if you, you, you kind of need to be aware that when blokes are getting aggressive, 
it's often a, a cover up for being scared, mm-hmm. right? And and so being aware of gender, and that's a, obviously a, a, a massive gender stereotype here, but sure. you know, we, we can only talk in 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 those terms. So, but I think that that leads to that leads to some not being aware of that leads to uh, misunderstandings. So I'm thinking now about me, me and a certain uh, f- friend of mine and, you know, his, what his, his view of um, his view of what's funny is, is, is actually kind of, bullying behavior it, there's there's a there's a very fine line you know what what we think is taking the mickey is is actually can be quite triggering and and, and harmful so there's some different people have a different take on where the the line between humor and attack it, mm-hmm. It, 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 we, we've all got a slightly different take on that. Absolutely. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, like, and I'm thinking about myself here um, in terms of, in my, I used to, I used to have a, a publishing business when five or six staff. And I, I would be, you know, I, I I wasn't the greatest of I wasn't the greatest of leaders, right? So sometimes I would flip my flip my lid, and I just wanted it the stuff done. And you know, there's a time there's a time for debating stuff, mm-hmm. and then there's a time for action and direct action, and and everybody's got a different take on that as well. So I could I could have been quite easily, you know, I've, I've so I've tried to set out um, a, a, a story. A, a rationale for something that needs to needs to happen when I'm away on holiday. I can remember a specific view on this, and like I was, I'd been given it weeks and months of thought, and this needed doing, and the uh, the person I was talking to was kind of questioning it, and I'm just like, just just do it, you know. Like <laughs> I, 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 I've thought this all the way, the way through. I'm going on holiday tomorrow. I've got a load of stuff to, right. you know, it, it's, it's a very fine line. It, it, there's loads of fine lines and differences between here, uh, between different people. And it, it's, I think everything like this starts with our own self-awareness that we, we may be different. Our view is different to other people's view. And that might be for a whole load of circumstances. So that might be to, to do with how we were, as you say, how we were brought up, the stuff that went through our heads as we were growing up and and different triggers, you know, different people are too triggered by different stuff. But uh, mm. yeah, the whole thing is about, the whole thing is about self-awareness. Um, and we have to be able to see that for ourselves to be able to teach it to our kids. So yeah, it's like everything it's a, it's the common mantra on a lot of the episodes of this podcast it starts with us it's not about our partners it's not about our spouses it's not about our kids it starts with us and our own kind of self-reflection and our own ability to 
to, to, to gauge where we are in, emotionally, to gauge how uh, where other people are emotionally. And that's going to change through life. I mean, I think as you were talking about, and it bring, like it, it's sort of a combination of some of the things you said, you mentioned how your mentor talks about how you can't see the picture clearly when you're in the frame. And I it, it just kind of triggered a memory in my brain of um, being in high school and seeing a, a friend of mine being in a situation in a relationship that I thought was fairly unhealthy. And I remember saying to her, I'm just worried about you. I mean, we're only teenagers. Like you shouldn't feel this way. He, you know, he is obviously on a different playing field than what you want. And you're not being treated the way I think you should be treated as a person. Um, and back at that time, she was very upset because I was you know, talking about her relationship. And it came to be later on that she said, you know, it wasn't healthy, which was interesting because I could see it in her. But then I went off into college and found myself into a relationship that was not healthy. Um, I was looking for someone to, you know, love me and, and be in that sort of a relationship. And I thought I had found him. Um, and this is, you know, back, I'm 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. And I had not really been in any relationship at that point. So I didn't know any better because I thought this is just how it is. But it just strikes me as odd because I could see it when I was not in that picture for my friend. But then when I was in my own picture, I couldn't see it for myself. I couldn't see where I was saying to her, like, you have to be stronger. You have to say this is not okay. But then when I found myself in that same situation, I was not able to really see it because I was so clouded by the graphics around me in my picture to not be able to step back and say that's a lot fuzzier than it should be. Yeah. Um, and I think it and like you said, you you have to come to that point, because when all of my spectators to our picture were looking at it saying I'm not sure about this or you know my parents were a little bit concerned and I, you don't understand I I know what's best I know that this is going to be okay we're okay he's going to be okay um and it wasn't it was not healthy it was not safe um part of it is just figuring it out on your own and I remember very clearly the moment that I realized it where mm -hmm. I said to myself I can't this is not okay <laughs> I can't sustain this. And finally the picture became clear and I stepped outside of it and then I could see it for what it was. But it is that idea of it has to come from the worth that you feel. And it was a moment I felt the snap of, I remember looking at him and saying, I will not survive this if I do not step out. And I need my, you know, I need to be in a place where I can be strong for not only me, but my birth daughter and um, it just was not working, you know, and, and not to go into detail about it, but it just was not the right situation. Um, but I couldn't see it until I had this baby inside of me saying, you're not the only one here. You need to re get some new lenses and see this picture for what it is. Yeah. Perspective is one of my favorite words. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm just going to jump in with something really practical in case this is getting too theoretical for the listeners. So, yeah, do it. Uh, you know, if you're interested in this emotional intelligence stuff, we've only got so much time on this podcast today, and there's only so much we can cover. If you're interested in emotional intelligence, and um, buy a book on emotional intelligence, 
you know, go on Amazon, buy a book, go put, 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 if, if audio pod, you know, you listen to this. So podcasts are your, are your thing. Listening is your thing. Put in self, you know, put in um, emotional intelligence into your podcast search or, um, or, or, you know, what I found really useful is those kind of like the emotional intelligence quizzes. Mm-hmm. So put, put in a, put in emotional intelligence quiz and Google, you know, Google the, um, have a look through the results and, uh, and, and, and find one that you think kind of, well, emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence for dads, emotional intelligence for mums, emotional intelligence for parents, emotional intelligence, whatever it is, you know, put, put something in um, and, 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 and do the quiz and it will give you a, it'll give you a feel on, um, on, on where you're, where you're at uh so that's a a practical thing um and because we need that perspective so other ways of getting perspective for me are oh yeah here's a good one um start of lockdown so two years ago i was having a um i had a little bit of a meltdown in the kitchen so my wife's in on one part in, in the corner of the kitchen watching um, uh, our prime minister at the time uh, talking some gobbledygook rubbish about COVID that he had no idea of whatsoever. I'm listening to him and I'm getting very frustrated because A, at what he's saying, which is absolute um, gibberish because he didn't have a clue what he was talking about in those days. And also I'm trying to concentrate on something. I've got a really mind-numbingly complex task that I've got to be like, it's a five hours work that I'm trying to do it on my computer. And I had a complete flip out, right? I, I lost all emotional intelligence in that moment. So what did I do? I, I went and I, I, I went out and took the, took the dog for a walk. Um, uh, and then I came back and apologized to my wife. And halfway round the, the hour long circuit with the dog, I'd realized I had a shift in my perspective. Okay, I, I, I need to work in, in, uh, in, in the spare bedroom. And, and, and by the time, as I was walking, listening to a podcast, I also went on Amazon, ordered a, the cheapest desk that I could find, and, and it arrived the following day. And, and the perspective helped me, you know, give, give space to my wife and me stop being a, um, yeah, uh, frustrated uh, by things. So... You know, so whatever works for you in terms of uh, 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 perspective shift shifts, listeners, I, I would say that's that's the thing, and the, the solution the solution comes when we've stepped away from the problem, not when we're in the middle. Mm-hmm. What we're in, we're in the middle of it, and that's very important for us. You know, going back to a point you made right at the start, we know what to say. We know what to say when when uh, we're at the uh, when when we're at the, the the victim end of the of the bullying bullying behaviour, and I'm only using this stuff for shorthand, right, listeners? Um, so we know what to say, but we don't do it because we're uh, our our fight or flight <clears throat> amygdala or whatever the the, the 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 stuff is is being triggered. We're scared. We don't know what we don't know what to do. Um, when the brain has reset, uh, then the answers become clear. 
and the the brain reset is essentially what did you you i love the way you used it you you talked about being caught up in the in the uh in in the screen didn't you what did you what was the way how, how did you describe it you said you caught up in the moment caught caught up in the moment of of the situation yeah i, I don't know i don't know the exact words i use yeah. but you are i mean when you're in it you you get caught up in the people around you and how they're being, you know, how they handle things, kind of that domino effect. Um, instead of just sometimes standing tall, it's easier to join the crowd because it's just easier. Um, and that's where I think we keep coming back to that idea of integrity, um, that you do what's right because it's right. And not because you'll be getting any glory for it or um, not with the expectation that you're going to be rewarded for it by somebody, some, you know, exterior thing, but implicitly you should feel this, this want or need to help people around you. But that sometimes is overshadowed by wanting to also feel accepted by the people around you. So, you know, when I see a kid trying to stand up for another kid, if they try it once and it doesn't quite work, it's easier than to fall in with the, the row of dominoes you know, to then just be with the people around you and do what they're doing because you've already tried. Um, and it's hard. That's really hard for kids to do that. And I think, um, you know, for parents, I think one of the things, whether your child's adopted or not, I think having the ability to look through other lenses, um, whether it's through reading various books. I know I just finished a book um, by John Green or Ross Green, excuse me, um, about parenting, that it was raising human beings, it's called, um, that was very interesting. It, I, I don't know that I would totally subscribe to that approach completely, but there are a lot of things that I could take from it that I think help when you are listening to your children, if they are coming home and they're describing a situation they've been in or something that a friend has been in. Um, this happened this weekend with my daughter witnessed something that a friend was doing um, and we talked through it and she said, I just didn't like how it made me feel. I don't even know how it would make her feel, you know, that my, this little girl was saying something that wasn't very kind. And from a six-year-old, I was like, well, I love that you're thinking about, you know, how another person feels. That's really important because we aren't the only people here. We have to think beyond ourselves. But I think being able to stop and, and really listen to your kids, which is what Ross Green asks you to do. He says, don't, don't try to solve the problem right away. Listen and, and then repeat their question or repeat kind of what they've said. So that first of all, you're validating that you're listening to your child or student or whomever or an adult. You know, sometimes you need to, I think we go into as adults, this like, let me fix it for you. Let me help you. And I think the best thing we can do for kids is to listen and help them know how to help themselves and how to work through those things so that they feel confident and they feel that worth and they feel that ability to hit these problems head on without an adult guiding them all the time. It takes time. It'll develop. You know, I mean, it's not obviously going to be one conversation and they know how to do it. But I think sitting down and really listening and validating that they're having certain feelings. Um, I think it's very, you know, even in movies, you see parents, oh, you'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But maybe it won't be for that kid. And so to listen and just say, well, tell me more about that. Like, what are, what, what else are you feeling? You know, and realizing that a lot of those feelings maybe aren't what the kids can express. It, it isn't exactly what the feeling is. 
you know, they feel mad, but maybe it really isn't mad. Maybe it's disappointment. They don't have the language yet to know. Even at 10 and 11, they, they don't know all the different facets of angry, you know? And so I think helping them sort of pinpoint without telling them, I think what you're feeling is this, but to let them discover it. Um, and especially around adoption, if you, you know, as, as somebody who's not adopted, can't fully know the scope of the kind of complexity of feelings that go along with being adopted, regardless if it was a really positive adoption. Um, I think that just listening and saying, I can imagine that's hard for you. I have not been there, but I can imagine that that is hard or, you know, not knowing and I think it's little things that people don't realize, especially if I can bring it back to adoption. Um, you know, somebody, a friend of mine was making a comment about how she just is so interesting to her how much she's looking like her mom as she ages. Or noticing that her hands are starting to look like her mom's hands. We don't always have that. You know, I, you have a picture in your head of what your biological family looks like. And if you have the opportunity to meet them, which I've met some of my biological family, that can either be like, oh yes, that is where I get that, my nose, or that is where I have my hips from or whatever the case may be. Um, but if you don't have that opportunity, you don't know. And so there's again, that moment of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And so finally, I think just being able to say that has to be hard for you. And I, you know, I don't know what it feels like to not be able to look at someone in my family and go, I look like that person. Little things like that. I don't, you know, and I think it was interesting. I had the opportunity to meet with some biological family and see pictures of, of them when they were younger and to finally see myself in someone was so powerful and when I, when I was relaying it to one of my best friends, I said, like, I looked at the picture and it was me. I've never had that. Even though I look a lot like my adoptive parents, weirdly enough. But I said, I've never had an instance where I was like, that is my face <laughs> on someone else in, you know, the 1980s. But um, my friend, sort of, she kind of got really emotional and she said, I never realized that part of being adopted. Like, I guess I never really thought about that, that you just don't have anybody you can look at and say, that is who I look like yeah. or where I come from. And so I think just recognizing that those are things that kids are maybe struggling with and don't even realize they're struggling with it, you know, and to be mindful of it or even have discussions. I, I come from a place with my kids that um, I guess I, I really like to have conversations and know that they're in a safe place to ask me any question about anything and that I may not always know the answer, but I will always listen. You know, and I think that as a practical point, I think hearing kids with bullying and not going right to the principal and not going right to the teacher, but sitting down with your kid and really talking through it, um, because kids also see things through their lenses. They don't always remember that they maybe had a little part in what was going on either. You know, I think they tend to feel the victim part of it, but maybe don't always realize that maybe something they did prompted some of the behaviors or the interchange between the two kids maybe blew things up to a level that, that wasn't acceptable. Um, but I, I don't know. I think 
recognizing accountability and expecting accountability, but also validating kids' feelings and letting them talk through it. Because I know my mom always was willing to do that and my dad, and it helped me sort of process through some of the things that I was dealing with. Um, and of course, as every teenager probably does, I'm sure I said, well, you don't understand whether you're adopted or not. But um, the fact that I had a place that I could say it yeah. was huge. Big stuff. So um, I'm conscious of time. Uh, so I've got, I've got an event um, coming up uh, and uh, there's a link to the in the show notes. If the uh, it's at the start of February, uh, 2023. So um, in the show notes, you will either find listener um, a link to the event so you can register for the event, or you will find a, a link to the. Um, you will find, depending on when you're looking at, it, you will find a link to the recording of the event um, because this is. We're going to dive deeper into this into this subject, and I'm going to be sharing more about what I've I've learned. And I think for me, just to sum up where it is, it's that we've been we, we've been looking at the the connection between what what we do and how we feel, um, and and then there's the 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 next connection is the link between. Um, how we feel and, and, and why we're feeling that way, the, the, the thought behind the feeling. And then upstream of that, you've, you've used the word uh, worth and self-esteem. The, the ultimate source, I think, of, of how we are in the world is, is, our, self, is our sense of self-esteem, our sense of self-worth. So that's... That's where everything starts. That that's the ultimate leverage. That's the ultimate leverage. How we see ourselves, how we see ourselves, drives um, our self-talk. What we say to, to our to, what do we say to ourselves about ourselves? What we say say to ourselves about other people, mm-hmm. and, and and how we feel moment to moment, and 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 how we what we do moment to moment. So for me, that self-esteem piece, self-identity piece is the ultimate, it, it is the ultimate leverage. And that's what we're going to be uh, looking at in the, in the, in the webinar. Um, so I'm excited to, to see it. Yeah. Uh, and um, so my self-talk right now, to give you an example, is, is, um, is trying to pull me into criticizing myself for not knowing the exact date of the event, right? Right. It's early February 2023. Um, so that's so. This is this is this this is what it means for me in in that moment. Uh, and it, but it's not pulling me for some reason. I've, I'm in a I'm in a good space at the moment. Also, when I switched the comp, I was I was switching the I was trying to switch the heater off. Uh, listeners before I um, before I started the recording and instead I turned the computer off right and I and I, I noticed that this 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 stuff fascinates me I, I noticed that probably me a few years ago would have been giving myself a really hard time about that um, and instead I just I, I'm in a slightly better space 
And I just emailed her man and said, sorry, stupid, silly me, silly mistake. I've, um, I've turned the computer off. Stand by, we'll, we'll jump down back in. And, and that's that that piece in that moment makes makes me feel uh, a, a, a lot better. Um, but stuff still, uh, you know, this 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 idea of once and done and peaceful forever is obviously complete baloney. But yeah. um, <laughs> but those little moments, those are little little moments for me to 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 savor when. Um, when I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not beating my, myself up for that. But I think that's important too, to note your own growth. You know, I think that's something to, even with kids to say, hey, I'm so proud. Like, think about how you would have handled this a month ago and think about how much you've grown as, as a friend. You're not get, letting this get you too upset. You're handling it much calmer. You know, and I think being able to celebrate those little victories is really important because that will perpetuate the work that we do to continue that sort of reflective piece and yeah. minding the way we handle things. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the, the thing comes up to me, it's, it's hard to see the picture when we're in the frame, yeah. either when we're, uh, you know, uh, when we're beating ourselves up or congratulating ourselves, you know, it, it, it's, it, work, it works both ways, you know. Uh, so uh, Thank you for joining us today, Amanda, and um, thank you for listening, listeners. Um, hopefully, you've enjoyed a slightly different take on uh, uh, on, the, on this topic, and I look forward to seeing you on the event or uh, hearing your feedback on on, on on the webinar when we put the recording up. So, thanks a lot, listeners.